16. The message in that song is great. I hope we're yielding in our body and soul and uh, in submission to the Lord. We see Job's answer to Bildad in Job chapter 19. As they continue their back and forth, the three miserable comforters. And uh, next is Zophar, but we're going to look at chapter 19 tonight. And some things that Job says about God. We, we, uh, we're going to read the entire chapter because we see his complaint. And Job lays it out pretty clear every time. He talks about the circumstance that he is in. And uh, in this passage, he talks about all of those that were supposed to be his friends have deserted him, even his wife. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll read this passage and then we'll look at what Christ says or what Job says about Christ. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for the time tonight. Thank you for the music, Lord. Love to sing the hymns and Lord, help us to be sacrificially obedient to you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of Job, and Lord, as he goes through this difficulty, Father, we can learn from it. Help us, Lord, to take the principles tonight and apply them to our life. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So verse 1 says, Then Job answered and said, How long will ye vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have ye reproached me, Ye are not ashamed that ye make yourselves strange to me. And be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with me. If indeed ye will magnify yourselves against me, and plead against me my reproach, know know now that God hath overthrown me, and hath compassed me with his net. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment." He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my paths. He hath stripped me of my glory and hath taken, er, and taken the crown from my head. He hath destroyed me on every side, and I am gone, and mine hope hath he removed like a tree. He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together and raise up their way against me and encamp round about my tabernacle. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintances are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreat for the children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despised me. I arose, and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. My soul cleaveth to my skin, and to my and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me, and have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Why do you persecute me as God, and are not satisfied with my flesh? O oh, that my words were written, O oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Stop right there for a second. He is laying it out pretty clear. This is my circumstance. And, and you know, every time Job answers, he reiterates his plight. But this one, is, this one to me is 
is particularly painful. He's, he's lost everything. We know the circumstance that Job went through. What a terrible day when the servants came and told him of what had happened. I still marvel that it says in all of that he did not curse God, yet he fell down and worshipped. Naked came I from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. And he worshipped the Lord. The Lord took it all away from me, but I'm not going to curse him. I'm going to worship him. Now, we've gone on a while. I don't know the time frame exactly to this point. But they've had a back and forth. It's been at least a week because they sat with him for a week and didn't say a word. And then they started charging him with these things. So I I just put myself in Job's shoes as he's laying here scraping the open wounds with pottery. I've wondered sometimes what that must feel like. You ever just ripped a scab off? Not to be gruesome, but it just, there's, there's psychological pain as well as physical pain. There just, there's something about that, that, without getting too gr- gruesome, just the removal of that. You feel it, and, and it's just gross and painful. Well, here's Job boils from the top of his head to the sole of his foot and he's taking broken pieces of clay and he's scraping those wounds. I wonder what that must have felt like. The pain is, is unlike anything I've ever experienced. I know that. And then they all have rejected him. I, I, look at, I look at verse 14 down to where we finished reading just now. And he says, My kinfolk have failed. My familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in my house. My maids count me for a stranger. I am alien in their sight. I called my servant. He gave no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. And then it says, My breath is strange to my wife. My wife won't even listen or talk to me. In my time of pain, my, my closest companions have all forsaken me. So I, I look at this, it just got worse for Job. And that's why this is so, I believe, such a painful thing to read. In all of his loss, it just got worse because everyone has rejected him. Boy, what a thing to go through by yourself. All of this, Job is alone, and these friends are just there accusing him. You're, you brought this on yourself. It's just that you be punished. There's sin that must be re- uh, um, repent, repented of this is your own fault and Job knows that that's not true so in all of this he says I, I wish I could write this in a book <laughs> and God wrote it in a book for him verse 25 he says this I know for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth He had hope. He had hope in the midst of all of this struggle. He goes, this is how it is. This is my life right now. I don't know how it could get any worse. These three jerks are talking to me every day. My wife won't talk to me. But this I know. My Redeemer liveth, and He's going to stand on the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, then he says this, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Man, that's powerful. 
What a thought. Whom I shall see for myself, mine own eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. But ye should say, why persecute we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in him? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishment of the sword, that ye may know there is a judgment. He addresses them again, and I I don't want to spend time on that tonight. I want to spend time on what Job knows. He says, in all of my sorrow, I know this. Those three things, that he lives, he reigns, and I'm going to see him. In my flesh I shall see God. What a statement. So I just want to look at these things. We know these passages of Scripture. I'm not... I'm not here with anything new tonight, but my goal is to uplift, to encourage, to strengthen us in the Word of God. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I can't go one Sunday without going to 1 Corinthians 15, you know that. It hasn't, I haven't in a while anyway. Verse 12 is where we're going to start reading. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Well, we've got to know this. So when the difficult times, when all of our friends reject us, and it feels like we're standing on this earth going through this struggle alone, we need to know that He lives. What a reassurance in Job's life. Verse 12 says, Now, if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Our faith rests on the fact that Christ is alive. If He didn't come out of the grave, close the Bible, let's go home. But we know, just like Job, that He lives. Yea, and we are also we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised uh, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are, pun- are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. He says, if this was the case... This is empty and vain. We're wasting our time. What I've taught you is, is worthless. But he says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. He says, if it were, it'd be bad. But this is the case. This is the truth. And become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. This whole passage, this whole chapter speaks of the resurrection of Christ. It talks of the, of the rapture when He comes and gets us. We're going to reign with Him forever. It talks about having victory over death. That's why I love 1 Corinthians 15. What a powerful chapter. Our faith rests in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. There's, there is so much here. But for tonight, I just want to look at the resurrection of the dead. If He didn't, it's pointless but now is Christ risen. He starts by saying, listen, He rose, he was, he was seen of the twelve. He was seen of 500 witnesses. I remember Pastor Weiss preaching on that quite often. The 500 witnesses, if that was in court, that's irrefutable. There's 500 witnesses that come and, can come and say, I saw Him alive. 
I saw him die. I saw him alive. I know that he is alive today. He, he lives. Therefore, we are here tonight. Revelation chapter 1, verse, 15, verse, verse 18. Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever, forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. <laughs> he says, I was the one that was alive and was dead. I'm the one that's alive now forevermore. And I, in my hand, I hold the key to death and hell. He's alive so we can rejoice tonight. We can, we can worship him. We can look into his word with confidence, knowing that it is true. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 24. Nineteen through verse twenty-four. Verse twenty. We'll stop in verse twenty-three. Nineteen says, verse nineteen. Then same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Can you imagine this circumstance? They're huddling in fear. They're they're afraid that the Jews are going to come after them. They knew who the Jews knew who they were. You're the disciples. You're the followers of Jesus. We know who you are, and so they're they're frightened for this, and they're defeated. They haven't understood yet that Christ was going to raise this temple up in three days. There's still some misunderstanding. There's great fear, and Jesus stands in the midst. He just is there. And says, peace be unto you. Can you imagine the, the moment of seeing him, again, seeing him again? And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, so e- even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. You know, he had to show them his presence before he gave them a charge. He, he, he got in their presence and he said, peace be unto you. And then he says, look at my hands. You can see the nail prints in my hands. And he showed him the hole in his side, the scar. And he said, peace be unto you again. He, he was there to remove the fear. And then he said, I have a job for you. Because I'm alive, because you know I'm alive, now go in the strength of God. There's power in knowing that he lives. They, they couldn't have gone out until he was there with them. He gave them the Holy Ghost to show them, to lead them and guide them, to be their comforter. But it, it was his presence that gave them the strength to go on. Peace be unto you. They were filled with great joy. I, I, I'm jealous of the people in the Bible and the experiences. I want to be able to see these things. We are far more blessed than them. Please don't get me wrong. We have the complete Word of God. 
But to be in that room must have been amazing. The fear was removed. From a moment of complete despair and, and just depressed, right? They don't know what to do, where to go. And moments later, they're filled with joy. They, they, they now understand that they're in the presence of the Messiah. This is, this is why we rejoice that He's alive. Because we know He lives, we can serve Him. Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, that He shall stand on the latter day upon the earth. You know, He said in that that He reigns. Not that He's just going to be there, but He's going to stand on the earth. We know that when the millennial kingdom is set up, He reigns and rules for a thousand years on this new earth. I believe in a, in a literal millennium. Revelation, is it 18? I believe it is 18. It's 18 or 20. Speaks of the millennial reign of God. Don't try to take that and spiritualize it or twist it. God said, I'm going to set up my kingdom for a thousand years. And Job foretold it. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that He shall stand upon the earth. He's going to set up His kingdom and rule and reign. His, his spiritual kingdom is set up right now. He reigns. Je- Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. In our times of struggle, we have to know that He is in control. We have to know that He's all-powerful. When those, rege- those friends turn their back on us, we have to know that Christ is all in all. But the Son, He saith, unto the Son, He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. Thy throne, O God... We, uh, Elizabeth is teaching the Trinity in Sunday school right now. But wants, them to, wants the children to understand that they are all three, one, unified, different positions, but all three God, fully God. That's what Jesus Christ was. Unto the Son, He saith, O God, Thy throne is established forever. He, is, he reigns. He's supreme and I praise Him for it. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, 11 through 14. <clears throat> I was told one time that the tribulation was not real. I believe in a thousand year millennial reign. I also believe in the seven years of tribulation. I believe the Bible teaches that after the rapture, there will be seven years of tribulation, three and a half years of peace, and three and a half years of tribulation such as the world has never seen before or after. I believe that. I was told it was a, I was told it was a teaching of convenience. Well, I'm thankful that we don't have to live back in the Old Testament days where we had to sacrifice too. That's a teaching of convenience. He put me in a convenient time. I'm thankful that I don't have to live under the law. That my high priest is Jesus Christ. Verse 11, And every priest standeth daily ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. Now they were obedient to God, and I'm thankful that we have that example in the Old Testament. I'm thankful that God gave that to the Hebrews. I don't want to diminish that. 
The Jews were, were God's chosen people special to him. But that priest was just a man. And that was their avenue to God. He was the only one who could access the Holy of Holies, the high priest. And he had to sacrifice for his own sins. But verse 12 says, But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Because he's God, he did this sacrifice one time and sat down on the right hand of God. If, God, if Christ didn't rule and reign, we wouldn't have assurance of our salvation. We wouldn't have strength day by day. We'd have, we'd have to go back to the Old Testament law and sacrifice daily for our sins. But he did one time sit down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You know, if he didn't do that, you'd never be perfected. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. My salvation is eternal. My, my salvation is complete in Christ. I stand before God as if I've never sinned. Not because I'm just in my own flesh. My flesh is rotten and sinful. But my spirit is made perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because He reigns. Because He's the high priest. I know that He shall stand upon this earth. I know that He is preeminent. We have to know this in our life. When these difficult times come, we have to know these things. And then lastly, He says, I'm going to see Him someday. Yet in my flesh I shall see God, He says in verse 26. Though after my skin worms destroy this body, if this body is eaten up and in pain and I suffer for another 20 years and then I die, I'm going to go and see, Christ, go and see God someday. In my flesh I'm going to see Him. We get to see God someday. We have hope that we know we're going to stand before Him in His presence for all of eternity. When I said this morning about having things that we want to hold on to in this life. This is, where, this is where I get so convicted about it. Because what I have in this life is, is the Bible says 70 years is a full life, and if we're blessed, we get 80. And we know we live past 80. But if I have 80 years, there's 36 years left. That's what I got. Well, if it was 36 years of suffering for Christ, I'm going to stand in His presence for all of eternity. What is 36 years? What are the things of this life compared to all of eternity? They have no hold or value then. If we can really get our eyes on that we're going to stand in His presence someday. I don't need anything in this life. I need that relationship with God. I need to be walking with Him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read the whole chapter because I don't want to take anything out of context. We're told to walk with God. 
We're told how to walk. And then we're told that we're going to be with Him. It says in verse 1, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. We need to abound more and more in, in walking with God and seeking to please Him. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Your vessel, your body, your flesh, you need to crucify it. So to possess it in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye, be, that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that were without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will bring with, with him. For this uh, we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, which we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We're told to possess our, honor and sancti- our, our vessel in sanctification and honor, to be pure before him, to strive to please him to abound more and more in our walk with God and, our, and to please God, to be busy about His work, study to be quiet and do your own business, walk honestly among them that are without. Why? Because we're going to stand before Him someday. He doesn't say anywhere in here to, to uh, see what we can get out of this life or heap up riches for ourselves or, or become famous or any of the vain things there. He says, serve with all your heart. Because someday, we're going to stand in His presence. Man, if I can pour out my life for the next 36 years for Christ, and then go rest with Him for all of eternity, that's the life that's got some meaning and value. We keep coming back to having purpose. I want to give Him my all. And, and Job and all of his struggles and, and, and trials is as Bildad just accuses him again of being wicked and beats him down, said, God's doing this to you because you deserve it. Job said, you've all abandoned me. My sorrow has not gotten better, it's gotten worse. And in all of this, I know that my Redeemer liveth. In all of this, I know that I'm going to stand in His presence someday didn't take away the pain, but it makes it bearable. 
It gives us joy in our struggles to know that our Redeemer liveth. Thankful for the testimony of Job. I'm thankful that Christ lives today. And we can trust in Him. He rules and reigns supreme. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for tonight. Thank You, Lord, for the testimony of Job. Lord, we, we look at him and we wonder how he's, he went through the suffering that he went through. Father, we know it's only by Your strength and by Your grace. And, and there was a purpose in it. Father, we rejoice in that. Lord, guide us to have the same mind. Father, to know without a doubt that You live. Lord, that we wouldn't allow Satan to put a, any, any bitterness, anger, or doubt in our life. But Lord, our faith would be strong and, and our focus would be on you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, before you dismiss tonight, I'm going to ask the Moors to come forward. Uh, Brother, Betty, er, Brother Betty, Brother Wesley and Sister Betty have uh, expressed their desire to join the church. And uh, so uh, we're, this is going to be by letter from Calvary Baptist Church in Edmond, Edmond, Oklahoma, correct? And uh, so, uh, appreciate them uh, worshiping with us. They've been a blessing to me and uh, thankful for them. Um, Do you want to give a testimony or I should have asked you beforehand? They've given me their testimony. I was saved in 92 also. Okay. Yeah. (laughs)